Thanks, Amy. Well, now um, I'd like to introduce the speaker for the evening. His name is Vernon, Pastor Vernon Gordon. He's, um, let me see what I know about Vernon off the top of my head. Vernon is a graduate of Virginia Union Seminary. Amen. He has a seminary degree from there. And he's a pastor of the Life Church. They just celebrated two years today. Make some noise for them. Listen, they're doing an amazing work in the city. They're literally blessing lives. They're bringing people to Christ. They're being lights in the darkness. Everything that the church is supposed to be, that's what they're being. And we're so glad um, that Vernon is here with us. Vernon, come on up. Let's pray for you before you give us this good word. And y'all, please, you know, be as attentive and engaged as possible. You know what I'm saying? We we bring our whole selves to worship, our hearts, our minds, and our bodies. So, like, if he says something right, you know how we do here? We go, mm, or, yeah, you know, deep nods. Like, you know, let him feel loved. He's from a black church. Amen. That's it. That's it. Father, we thank you for our brother uh, Vernon. Lord, I pray that you um, would just... Lord, use your vessel for your glory. Lord, I pray. Um, I believe that you've already begun the work of softening our hearts that we can hear the word uh, that you have for us today. Lord, you are forever glorified and exalted. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. How y'all feeling today, East End? That was a little weak for me. I need y'all to make one. I got two kids in diapers, so my life is loud. So if you're going to talk back to me, I need you to be louder than my two kids. How y'all feeling today, Easton? Y'all feeling all right? Hey, man, I am excited to be here. Uh, so many of your members and staff and elders and um, just people, again, who are regular uh, attendants here are friends and family of ours. Uh, and my wife and I, who in her absence, she's traveling for work or she would be here. But uh, we just stand uh, counted a privilege and an honor to be here and share in these few moments. Uh, I thank God for Aaron. Make some noise for her who has so graciously made this happen and to pastor don and pastor doug can we make some noise for them in their absence um so grateful and uh, i could probably could run down a list of like y'all team like there's so many people i want to thank like toya is amazing like toya does not does toya not just bring joy toya just brings joy automatically into my world when i see her like i'm like hey toya and i'm like immediate love is crazy um there's so many wonderful people hey i didn't they're amazing um so liz so let me tell y'all how i don't like liz i mean in the love of god let me tell you this quick story uh she's embarrassed but it's all good god loves me and loves her too um you know liz was my wife's only roommate she was my wife's college roommate and the only roommate my wife had other than me and she set her up for failure because i'm not as clean as liz i'm not as organized as liz and so at some points in our marriage i just remind her i'm not liz and you know and uh you know but i thank god i've known them for some time and uh so joy to be here all right let me jump into the word of god i could tell stories for the next 20 minutes exodus chapter 13 exodus chapter 13 uh, I'm going to be reading a couple passages of scripture today and then I'm going to uh, say some what God has led me to say and have my seat. Exodus chapter 13, um, starting at verse 17. And it reads like this. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. Somebody say shorter. For God said, if they face war... They might change their minds and return to Egypt. 
So God led the people around by the desert toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with them because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God surely will come to your aid. Then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Sukkoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night, in a pillar of fire to give them light. So that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of the cloud, nor by day, nor the pillar of fire by night, left its place in front of the people. Somebody say, in front. Yeah. Let's go to 14 really quick. Only going to read three verses there. Exodus chapter 14. Starting at verse 19. Then the angel of the Lord, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of the cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other. So neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back. With a strong east wind and toward it to dr- turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on the right and on their left. Can we pray? God, I thank you for this opportunity once again. Many prayers have been already been spoken, but God, it is just my prayer today that you keep me in a place of submission to your voice. Let them not hear my face, see, hear my voice or see my face, but only hear and see the voice and face of you that lives in me. So in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Today, I just want to preach uh, from this thought, if I had to give it a title, uh, a seaside story. Can you just announce it to your neighbor and say seaside story, seaside story, seaside story, seaside story. Uh, not too long ago, I had the opportunity to go fishing. Now, I want you to understand a few things about me uh, and my wife. Uh, there are a few things you need to understand about us. First of all, we don't believe in waking up early unless we have to. Can I get an amen, somebody? Um, yeah, that's just not a testimony of ours. Uh, we will sleep as long as you allow us to sleep. Uh, um, we, we are sleepers. We're not, you know, habitual sleepers, but we're not waking up early for GP, you know. And so when I first went fishing, I received an invitation, but nobody told me I had to wake up before the, the Jesus got up. I thought... You know, all my fishing people know, you know, they got to get out there while it's still dark. I was like, this is not of God. Why are we out here? God is not even up yet moving on the waters. Um, But then we get out there and we're on these waters and it's cold. Like I didn't realize that when you get out on the water, it's a little chillier. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, It's a little chillier. And if you know anything about my wife and I, you know that we do not like the cold. We, We, If you come to our house, the temperature is regularly set on 78. That's not a wintertime temperature. That is an all year temperature for us. And so if you come to our house, wear a tank top in December, just be prepared. We're going to set the heat on summer. Um, it's amazing. Well, I was like, I'm up early and I'm cold and I'm not excited about this experience thus far. And then we went out a little further and the boat begins to rock. Like, I mean, because, you know, if you're going out on a real fishing trip, you ain't on no bed. I thought I was getting on a cruiser. I thought this was going to be a trip. I was going to take a couple of selfies. I was going to post some IG pics. I was going to get some likes. I was going to break 100. I was going to be really affirmed. That's what I had planned on doing. We're on this little boat rocking everywhere. And I'm like, I did not pray about this decision. I should have prayed first. And here I am out on the water and we began 
fishing. We began fishing. And one of the things I remember about that experience greatly is that it was so exciting uh, to see the people who would go fishing regularly. They were so excited when they caught a fish. But the thing I realized is that the amount of time we spent on the water was really not equal to the amount of fish that we caught. Like I just expected us to be catching fish all day. There will be hours with no fish catching. I don't know the appropriate terminology for that, but there was no fish catching going on. It was just a lot of conversation, a lot of talking, a lot of reflection, totally a lot of reading. And I said, what did I sign up for? And I'm out here in the middle of the water and I can't get back home because black people don't jump in water and swim. Okay, we'll talk about it later. Uh, <laughs> figure I had one throw one black joke out there. Um, so, <laughs> but the reality of it was, I said to myself, Vernon, you're out here to enjoy the experience. This isn't about Vernon just catching fish. This is about the opportunity to be connected to people. This is about a new experience. I, I had to take myself back to, Vernon, why did you take this trip? And the reason I took the trip was only for one reason, one reason. And that was to have a new experience. I wanted to see something I had never seen before. I wanted to do something I had never done before. I wanted to step out of my comfort zone. I wanted to be a place that I had never been before. And I thought about that and started to think about all of our spiritual journeys. And how often do we say, God, I want a new experience. God, I want to be out of my comfort zone. God, I want to do something different. God, I want to move to another level. God, I want to stretch into a new season. And then when God gives us a process that does not match our prayer, we get upset and retreat. It's crazy. I said, wait a minute. I'm the one who sought out this experience. And now I'm complaining, and now I'm upset, and now I'm frustrated because the process to catch the fish, the process to have this new experience didn't match what I thought it would be. I think we all can relate to the fact that sometimes we're being honest. Sometimes we say, God, I want more and I want this and I want that. And then God takes us on a journey. We say, God, where in the world do you have me and why? It's in this place that I think the people of Israel relate to us and correlate to our lives. The people of Israel have been in captivity for 400 years, and now they have been granted an opportunity to have their freedom. They're excited. And they say, God, we're ready. We're coming out of captivity. Frank, they're like, we're free now. Free at last. Free at last. And we're going to walk, and we're going to go to the promised land. And then the text tells us something that I think is so significant that we pass by on this story. The text said, God did not take them on the shortest route. Now that's critical, right? Because whenever we talk about the Red Sea, we always talk about it from the, the, the hindsight is 2020, right? We talk about it on the backside of America, be like, the Lord will bring you out and the Red Sea is wonderful. Unless you're the people of Israel here. <laughs> Who are like, why are we headed towards the Red Sea? That is not the quickest route. And here they are. Taking this journey that seemed like promise. It seemed so exciting in the beginning. And now they're on a longer journey than they anticipated. The process that God orchestrated didn't match their prayers. God, I thought we were headed to promise. Text tells us that they leave out of Egypt and they're headed to their promised land. And God takes them on this route that is uncommon. God takes them, but he says for a specific reason. For if they face war, they may turn back. How many people know? Because it's oftentimes in process, not promise, that many of us go back to what's comfortable. 
many of us can testify to the fact that we started processes. Come on. Some of us started January with some great fitness goals. And then when, oh, darling, ain't going to say nothing in here. And you had, you, I'm going to be summertime fine. And I'm going to be super sexy Sunday. And I'm going to be all of this. And now it is what? July? And you got people in your life like, why do you even keep the membership? You'd be like, I'm going back. I'm going back. Next year, next year, next year. Fall fresh, fall fine. That's what it's going to be. And it's amazing because we start processes and then say, this is too much. Most people don't die in promise. Most people don't die in prayer. Because in prayer, everything seems ideal. And in promise, God has worked it out. But it is in process that many of us turn back. He said, I don't want them to face war because if they go to the Philistine country, they may turn back around. So I'm going to take them on this route. And then it says something that's very interesting. He says in the text, he says, so the Israelites went out ready for battle. Y'all see that in the scripture? I'm not making stuff up, right? Rob, I was confused. He said he's not taking them onto the path for war. So what battle are they prepared to fight? May I suggest to you that the battle that they were referencing, that they had to be prepared for, was not a battle with people, but a battle with perspective. Can I suggest to you that many times the greatest fight we will all face on the journey to follow God's voice and to follow God's will is not one with people. See, in culture right now, it's so easy for us to fight people. It's easy for us to post. It's easy for us to gossip. It's easy for us to talk about people. It's easy for us to be like, I'm over them, new friends, Drake that wrote a song about it. And, you know, we just move on. But what happens when God says in this next season, if you're going to endure this journey, if you're going to become all that I've called you to be, if you're going to respond to the voice of God in your life, the greatest battle you have to fight is not one with people. It's not going to be people's opinions about you that will restrict you. It's not going to be the culture around you. It's not going to be your neighborhood. It's not going to be your family. You're worried about all of that. What are they going to say and what's going to happen? The biggest battle we have to fight is with perspective. Why do I believe it was a battle of perspective? Because the people of Israel have been captive for 400 years, which means they have been become comfortable with another master. And some of us, if we're honest in the room today, some of our greatest challenge is that we have gained provision and comfort and faith and so many, from so many other places, from jobs, from relationships. And God said, in this next season, in order for me to adjust your mentality, in order for me to give you a proper perspective, I have to bring you back into an appropriate lens of who I am. So this journey is not designed for quick, you know, to get there quickly. It's designed to make sure that when you arrive, I am central to your life. It is designed to make sure that when you arrive, you know clearly the power that I possess. Because some of us can testify that our relationship with God didn't grow in Milky Way seasons. That a relationship with God didn't grow on the smoothest of oceans. That the relationship with God that we have grew in the toughest times of our lives. It was when we went through a storm that we found out how much we love God. It was when we had a testimony that we found out God would never leave us nor forsake us. It was when we went through the hardest times of our life where we said God still made a way. It was in those seasons that God was stretching our perspective. Somebody say perspective. It is perspective that I believe God stretches in so many of us when it comes time for us to follow his voice, follow his journey, and follow his process. And here... The people of Israel are going through this same journey. 
very interesting place because God has made a promise to them. And now they're in this process that does not seem to match their promise. And I want to ask you a simple question today and just offer three suggested answers for you. And the question is simply this. What do you do when your revelation doesn't match your reality? What do you do when you come to East End and you've prayed and you, you felt really excited when you leave and you're like, God loves me and, and the miracles can happen now. And you're like, yeah, miracles can happen now. And then you go back and it doesn't seem like anything's happening. Because can we be honest? That sometimes is the greatest challenge of the believer. It's not if we can sing the songs and read the scriptures. It's can I hold fast to them when life gets difficult? Here the people of Israel are, they've been promised God is going to open up a promise. He's going to be a way maker. He's going to be a door opener. He does all of that. But now they're in this process and, and he said they're worried that they're going to change their mind. And I believe there are three things that happen on this process that we can all glean from that will help all of us understand how to walk with God in the journeys of our own life. It's a seaside story. If you remember the story of the Red Sea, people of Israel are moving to their promise. So that's the first thing I want to challenge you to do. You have to remember God's promise. Somebody say remember the promise. You got to remember God's promise if you're going to survive this experience. I I, I tried to survive my sea experience. You have a sea experience of your own. I'm not sure what it is today. But whatever your Red Sea is, whatever is standing in the way of your promise, whatever you're going, you got to remember that God's promise is greater than anything you see right now. You got to remind yourself over and over again that if God said it, he's going to do it. You know, it's interesting. Uh, uh, my testimony is this. I'm a former cancer patient. So I had uh, two tumors, uh, 13 surgeries. I just had my 13th surgery uh, in November. Uh, I've, I've been uh, in chemotherapy three years and told I would die three times. I'm standing here today because the God that we're singing about and preaching about is still able. He's still able. And it's amazing because I want to tell you the full story. What's interesting is we went and I was in remission and we were like, miracles can happen and God is amazing. And then five years after chemo and six years after chemo, we're living and we're like, man. And you know, the farther and farther you get away from a miracle, the easier and easier it is to remember to forget God's promises. Start coasting, right? So I got a call uh, a year into my marriage, my wife and I, and we got a call from my doctors. I was doing a yearly checkup, and they say, hey, Vernon, well, sorry to give you this bad news. Unfortunately, due to the aggressive form of chemo that you've had, uh, you'll never be able to have children. And it took me as a blow because by this point, I'm a full-time youth pastor. I'm traveling and I'm singing and I'm mad at God. I know y'all don't say that stuff like that. We don't say stuff like that in church because because we'll never be honest. We know we just in church, we love God all the time. But we just get home and not want to talk to him. I'm, I'm just talking about me. I ain't talking about y'all. Uh, but I was mad. I, I was mad. I was mad because I said, God, uh, I'm singing for you and I'm preaching for you and I'm serving the community for you. You know how you, when you get mad, your neck start moving. You know, okay. Only the women from East End. I was like, all right, so, so it's crazy, right? And I'm like, I'm like, God, I thought you had my back. And God, I thought you were going to take care of me. And, and I thought, I thought if I served you, that you were always going to provide for me. God, that's, that's the, 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 the interaction that I thought we had set up. And then one day I'm sitting on the couch and I remember it clear as day. It was like, God slapped me in the face. God said, Vernon, did you forget that they told you you would die three times? And I brought you out of that. So why would I bring you out of that 
and not bring you through this. I need somebody to understand today that you have to hold on to the promises of God because just because life gets hard doesn't mean God is not working, does not mean God is not providing, does not mean God is not opening a door. And I'm standing here today to tell you that I have two kids, unassisted. God is able to do anything but fail. God's promises will reign true. They have no expiration date. Because here's the part you got to understand. We didn't pray once and sing once and it changed. It took an entire year. But we had to hold fast. To the promises of God. I don't know what you're going through today, but I want to encourage you that whenever you're on this seaside experience with God, that was my Red Sea. I don't know what your Red Sea is. It may be a relational challenge. It may be a medical challenge. It may be a financial challenge. But when you're on that sea experience, when the process doesn't match the prayer, when everything you see doesn't match what God said, when the revelation that God gave you in worship doesn't match the reality that you have when you go home, Hold fast to God's promises. People of Israel are walking with God and Moses seems to get this because even though they see the Red Sea, he still talks to God and gets to a place. And I think there's something significant to holding on to God's promise. I think in order to hold on to God's promise, I want to be practical about this. You got to do the second thing, which is you got to realign with God's presence. God's presence will help you stay holding to his promise. Can I suggest to you that one of the greatest challenges, I believe, of the Christian culture now is that we are hungry and excited for God's provision, but we do not get equally as excited about God's presence. You know, we treat God's presence like an appetizer and God's provision like the entree. Come on, all of us got one friend. Everybody say one friend. You know, that we, that we like offer, like, hey, I want to treat you, like, I'm going to take you out. And then you get to the restaurant, and then the waitress or waiter comes, and they say, hey, what would you like? And then they'll be like, you know, they know you're treating, and then they start asking for stuff that you know is not a part of the normal ordering schedule. Like, you know, they'd be like, they'd be like, would you like an appetizer? And they'd be like, yes, can I get the, uh, let me just get the appetizer sampler, you know. <laughs> like, mm, like, fancy tonight, like, you know. And so if you like me, I don't know about y'all. If you like me, I got to remind them. Boy, there, I said, let me tap my, excuse me. Um, you know, that's your meal, right? You, you know, you don't get no appetizer and a meal. And I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Cause if you want the sampler to be your meal, please, by all means, go for it. Just want to make sure you only got one thing on the invoice. I just want to make sure you understand that. It's amazing. Because why? Because appetizers are a sometime thing. But an entree is an every time thing. How often are we missing out on the promises of God because we treat God's presence like I need that sometimes. Prayer night, I need that sometimes. Worship night, maybe. I'm praying daily, maybe. I might pray a couple times a week. So God's presence is a sometime thing. But I always need God's provision. God, make a way in my job. God, make a way in my relationship. God, make a way in this. God, make a way in that. And so God's provision becomes that which we seek after. But his presence becomes something we only pursue partially. They held fast to God's presence. Ask me how I know. Good, y'all almost had it. It was good. Here's how I know. Because the text tells us, scripture tells us, that the cloud, which when we study it in biblical history, this cloud was the first time the word Shekinah, glory, came about. 
The word Shekinah literally meaning the glory of God. This was the first time the Shekinah cloud appears in scripture. It is the glory cloud. And it tells us that this cloud, that it was full of God's glory, stayed. Now, I hope you remember this, directional terms. It said the cloud stayed where? Oh my goodness. Say it one more time. Wake up the person next to you. Where is the cloud say? Which means that the presence of God remained in a position of authority in their life. Can I get one volunteer, real quick, one volunteer before Jesus comes back? Yes, sir, I need you. Come on here. Yeah. Kenny, that's your name? Kenny? Heard somebody screaming out. Hey, how you doing, man? Kenny, pleasure to meet you, man. Vernon. All right, cool. I love your dancing. Awesome. Come by TLC anytime. All right? <laughs> Kenny, I-, I want you to be God. Now, Kenny, I'm going to trust you with my life. Remember, I got two kids in diapers. I got a wife to provide for. Just don't let me get hurt, okay? Catch me when I fall. Okay. That's all you got to do. Okay. I won't... <laughs> I thought I was falling. I didn't know. I said, <laughs> I thought you were trying to trick, no, no, no trick. Just, just follow me, Kenny. Just follow me. That's it. No, Kenny, you got to follow me, Kenny. You, you're next to me, Kenny. I need you to follow me. All right. Okay. Hey, you good? All right. Kenny represents God in my life. The thing about it is many of us constantly are falling. There you go, Kenny. That's what I'm talking about. Kenny, catch me now. All right. Make sure I go home in one piece now. Uh, The thing about God is many times we constantly are falling into God's hands. And we love that part, right? Like, I can fall, falling in love with Jesus. Jesus is always providing. He's always catching us when we fall. And and life gets hard and we fall. And Kenny, come on now. And um, we're going to walk back this way, Kenny. And and I'm going to talk to these people over here. And we love God to be a catcher. Kenny, you're right there? Okay, good. Just want to make sure. We love God to be a catcher. When we've made mistakes. And we love God to be a catcher. When we made all the decisions about our job on our own because we didn't need God. We didn't need to pray about vocational discernment. We just made decisions about our career life. And so then when the career is not where God told us to be, and then when everything's not working out, and then we're mad because we say, God, I'm out of position. Kenny, catch up now. I'm moving faster than God now. You know, Kenny, don't lose me. You know, okay, there you go, Kenny. We're walking. And here's the problem. The problem is God is constantly catching us, but we're falling and we didn't have to if we didn't put God behind us. And we put God in front of us. Because when you keep God in front, God directs you. Kenny, I'm following you now. This might not be the way God wants me to go. So because I'm following the cloud, I can I can rest assured that I'm walking into the promises of God because I'm not creating my own path. I'm not creating my own process. I wish y'all would talk back to me in here. I'm just making a decision to say, God, wherever you lead, I will go. Can I tell you something? When you place God's presence as a priority in your life and he stays in front, he may not take you the way you want to go, but he will always take you where provision is. And you just got to stay in his will. Thank you, Kenny. You're great. You're way better than my example people at TLC. I love you. Love my church. It's amazing. How many times in life we're struggling, and I sincerely believe it's because we have not put the presence of God in front. We have not prioritized God's presence in our life in such a way that he can help us make decisions. That his spirit can lead and guide and direct. Think about how many things in your life you make decisions about. I want you to answer. I just want you to reflect. How many decisions are you making about you on a daily basis? 
how, how many decisions have you made about your family, your jobs, your finances, your, your goals? Your, how many decisions do we just say, this sounds right, this makes sense in culture, but God might be trying to take you another way to do a new thing. That's what I love about East End Fellowship. Can I be honest with y'all? East End Fellowship was like a mythical thing. When, when I first got to Richmond, they were just like, have you heard of East End? <laughs> East you haven't been yet? And I was like, no, do I got to get like an invite only? Like, is it an induction process? Because what you guys are doing is challenging what culture said is not possible. What you guys are doing to see black next to white, next to Hispanic, next to Asian. This is what God does when the cloud stays in front. This is what God does when we follow his leading. Because it's easy to go our own way. But when we say, God, you go first, when we, when we make the decision like I did to get out on the sea and say, God, I'm going to a place that's uncomfortable. I'm going to a place that stretches my zone. I'm going to a place that's beyond where I'm used to. But God, I decided to go on the journey. So take me where you may. I trust that you'll be there with me. When we do that, I want to promise you this third thing. Not only do we must we remember God's promise and realign with his presence, we can redeem God's provision. There is a provision that God provides. There is a way that God makes. There's doors that he opens when we keep his presence as a priority in our life. I'm a living witness that God will take you on unusual paths and you have to trust him in ways you never imagined. But when you do, God always comes through. And I just want to encourage somebody today who's saying, Vernon, I'm in a seaside story. Here's what I love about the Red Sea experience. It tells us that Moses got to the Red Sea. Catch this in scripture, Exodus 14. I thought it was so unique. I had never heard the story like this before. And God said, let me show you this. I was, I was watching a pastor called Darius Daniels. And said, it got to the Red Sea. And the cloud that was in front went to behind them. Which means the same cloud that directed them was the same cloud that protected them. Can I help you understand something today? God is moving with you and he won't just direct, he will also protect. He will make sure that he takes care of you. He will make sure that you go without nothing. He is a God that will never fail. He will never fail. But catch this. Text tells us that throughout the night, the cloud went darkness to one side. Light to the other side. Light to the other side.